Well, today we're going to talk about the way God loves us unto salvation. And God's love is so great and so powerful that it can actually bring forth salvation, save us from sin and death. Now, two weeks ago, we spoke a bit about um, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And I want to just talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to go over to Matthew, where the Bible says, let your eye be single. And I'm going to talk about what that means. And then we're going to go into a very powerful verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. As many of you know, I'm, um, I've written a paraphrase of Ephesians. And I'm busy recording... Uh, I don't know what you call it now. Uh, yeah, just a scripture by scripture walk through Ephesians. And when, uh, uh, as, as we walk through Ephesians, as I study all of that out, I just came to a very powerful revelation in Ephesians 2.10. We talk about how God actually brings forth salvation in our lives. Now, the whole thing about... Um, that I've just said that we have got this walk through Ephesians. I just made as if I don't know what the word course means because my wife said to me that she feels very drowsy where she's sitting there and that I must just do something that can shock her that she can wake up. And I think it worked. Did it? <laughs> it worked, she says. <laughs> right, so we're going to get right into the word. We're going to read from uh, Luke 19. And this is what it says it says and behold there came a man named Zacchaeus which was the chief amongst the publicans and he was rich and he sought to see Jesus who was uh, who was and could not for the press because he was little of stature and ran before and climbed into a sycamore tree um, to see him for he was to pass that way and Jesus when he came to the place he looked up and saw him and said to him Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in your house. You know, just before I explain that, this makes me think of the preacher that preached and would talk about Zacchaeus, and he said, you know, and, and Nicodemus went and climbed into the tree because he was a short man and he couldn't see Jesus, and because of the, um, the big crowd and the press, he couldn't see. So uh, Nicodemus climbed the tree, and then Jesus came, and when he walked to the tree, and then the preacher realized, this is, it, it wasn't Nicodemus, it was Zacchaeus. And he says, and Jesus looked up and said, Nicodemus, what are you doing in Zacchaeus' tree? No. <laughs> well, I don't have a crowd here, so I laugh at my own joke. So. <laughs> well, anyway, so Zacchaeus was sitting in the tree. And when we look at Zacchaeus, and we look at the tree, and it was a sycamore tree, we said two weeks ago that it talks about the fig tree, a kind of a fig tree. And it actually is a type and a shadow of humanity that climbed the fig tree which talks about man clothing himself with his own works and clothing himself by his um, own ability remember when Adam and Eve uh, ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they saw they were naked what did they do they immediately grabbed some of that tree's leaves which I believe was the fig tree tradition uh, Jewish tradition many traditions believe that the um, tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree. Now, I don't believe it was a physical tree at all, but in type and shadow, this will speak powerfully as we look at the fig tree referring to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here, Nicodemus, Nicodemus <coughs> Zacchaeus comes, and Zacchaeus 
<laughs> climbs into the <laughs> climbs into the uh, fig tree, and it talks about humanity that climbed the fig tree, climbed that tree where they are clothing themselves uh, in the in into works righteousness. And Jesus, and this is so beautiful, when he comes to the tree, he says, quickly get out of that tree. And that just talks about the heart of God. He doesn't want man to be in that tree at all. He wants us to quickly get out of that tree. And as we saw in the communion part of this message, as God is a God that wants to um, put up camp, build his house, pitch a tent and live amongst us, he says to him, today I must go and uh, be at your house, abode at your house. And that's exactly what God said to humanity in Jesus Christ. He came and when he walked on the earth, he saw man in, or God saw man getting into the fig tree and then he incarnated himself into Christ to say to humanity, quickly get out of this tree. Don't live by works righteousness anymore for I will come and live with you. You don't have to try and lift yourself up to a high level where you can try and just look at God, wondering who and what God is. God says, I would actually come and live with you. That is what it is all about. So when we, <clears throat> when we look at this passage, what stands out is uh, what happened when Jesus actually came to his house. And this is what happened. Uh, the Bible says in verse 6, And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he has gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And um, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see how Jesus saved him. The way Jesus saved him was by telling him, I must come and live with you. And that is, when we can see that, we are finding grace in the eyes of God. Grace is not God's unmerited favor wherein He just looks at man and say, well, let me quickly go and be good to them. No, grace is the very, the very effect of the revelation of how God came and dwelled with man. And I love the fact that he dwelt with, with what the Bible says here, the chief amongst the publicans. Like you remember what I said two weeks ago, that the publicans or the tax collectors were was worse than sinners in the eyes of the Jews. In the eyes of the Jews, they were against God and they were against God's people because they would work for those who would oppress the people of God and receive taxes from God's people, pay it to those that or give it then to those that oppress the people of God, and then they would steal and help oppress their very own people in stealing from them. So the Jews of that time in their heart believed that the tax collectors were absolutely cursed people. 
And here the Bible says that this man was a chief amongst them, and he was very rich. Now you can imagine what the hatred people would have had towards him. And what does God do? God comes and he looks at a man that is seen by the people of God or by Israel as the, I would call it, the chief of all sinners, the worst of them all. And the worst of them all finds himself high in a fig tree. He finds himself that if he's raised himself up, that I will climb up in my own works and from here I will behold God. And he said to him, listen, I don't care if you are the chief of sinners, I don't care what all people say, but my job is to get you out of this tree that is destroying your life and my job, and this is the will of my Father, that I will come and be at your house. And if, as I come and dwell with you and I am united with you and from the outside, as people see, uh, Jesus actually becoming, because in the Jewish tradition, you wouldn't go and eat at someone's house unless that, because that would be a kind of saying, this is part of my family. There's a, there's a, a deep, strong custom in going to eat at someone's house and to go to someone's house because you were associated by who you hanged around with. And here Jesus comes and he actually says, this Zacchaeus is part of my family. And Zacchaeus believed upon the Lord and in his belief upon the Lord and in this visitation that God had with Zacchaeus, the very life of God, the quality of God's life started to come forth in Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus was set free from um, a love for money, from stealing, from rejection and whatever was there to the point that he would give half of everything to the poor as well as restore everything that was stolen fourfold. And then Jesus defines salvation there. He says salvation has come to this house since he is also a believer. He is a child of Abraham and he defines what a true child of Abraham is, which we first saw in John the Baptist when he preached about who the children of Abraham actually are. Now, with that in mind, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. Matthew 6 verse 21. It says, verse 22, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. Let me read it again. The light of the body, or that which enlightens your body, or that which enlightens your life, is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light, but, if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. And if the light or if the revelation or if the wisdom by which you see things, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, <clears throat> what Jesus comes and what he says here is, he explains the way wherein our body can be saved from darkness and how we can find our body or our flesh being illuminated with the very life of God. Now when I talk about flesh, I 
can talk about it in two ways. <clears throat> and I believe that this passage includes both ways. First flesh there talks about, uh, when the Bible talks about the fruit of the flesh or human ability to try to be like God and then should we walk in the flesh, we find the fruit of the flesh, which would be all the, um, the bad works that's mentioned in Galatians 5 there when it talks about that. And I also believe that flesh just talks about your physical human body. So what he's saying here is that that which would enlighten your life, in other words, that which can bring light to the darkness in your life, is your eye, how you see things. And then it says, if your eye be single, your whole body would be full of light. And I preached about this before, but I even saw something a bit more today when I studied this out again this morning earlier. I just quickly went through it again. This is what it says. It says that word single, that, that's an important word. That word single there means braided, braided. Now, I don't know the English word, how to say this. I know how to say it in Afrikaans. But in the English, it means, it's the first word of the Greek alphabet, which would basically be A, uh, uh, like we would say a dog or a cat. And then it says a braid. So in other words, in Afrikaans, we would say a flexel, like we would say in, in English the word Elohim. Or if we would say a Elohim. Uh, Elohim already talks about more than one. Braiding already means more than one. It talks about something that's braided together or put together. Now you know that you need at least three strands to braid something. Now when it says a piece of braiding, um, it says when your eye can see a braiding, something that's braided, then your whole body would be full of light. Now, what was Jesus talking about here? The context is money in Matthew there, where people found their identity in obedience to the law, and as they obey the law, they would see financial prosperity in their life, and that then would be a voice that they've obeyed God, and that uh, that prosperity would then be the stamp of approval and what they seek after so that they can know, surely, they'll be part of the reign of the Messiah when the Messiah would come. And Jesus comes and he says to them, listen, that is actually evil. When your eye is full of evil or full of, the word evil there means full of labor or hardship or annoyance, what I would say, full of the logic of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then your whole life would be full of darkness. You would find the fruit of the flesh manifesting in your life and eventually death. Where Jesus comes and he says, I want to take that away from you and I want to bring something brand new. I want to come and I want to show you uh, the way God braids. Now the way we would braid is if we braid with hair, we take the hair, make it three and then braid together. And God does it in kind of similar the same way. He is God, like you would think of someone's hair. And then he is Father, different strands, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we know that the Son had a certain glory before the world was. So He was always with the Father. But then, as we would separate these strands, although it is, or make like three bundles of hair when we braid something, 
it is still comes from one head and it is one person's hair. And the father came and actually divided himself into three, where we can see him as three, father, son, and Holy Spirit. And he came and manifested that truth about him. But the beautiful thing that he did was, if you take father, son, and Holy Spirit, he took the son and he incarnated him into a human being and took another being and braided, which is a human being, and braided humanity into that, uh, in, into God. Now, the Bible says that when, it, when, you are, when you can see that braiding, what it would do is it would save you from darkness. That's what it will do. It will bring forth a brand new life in you. That is what it will do. It will bring forth a brand new life. So what God does here, and what Jesus does, he says to them, if your eye can be single, if your eye can be the eye where you see God and man braided together, then from that truth, your whole life will be enlightened. And so, I add in my own words, we will be saved from darkness and whatever darkness would bring in our life. Because it says here that if your eye is evil, it will, it, it will bring darkness into you. And if the light that shines in you is not the light of the union between God and man and the glory of God in the face of a man, if that's not the light or the revelation or the platform from where you behold who you are, and who God is, and if that is not the light from where you determine your future, all in God and in this braiding, which is His doing, then the, the, the Bible says that any other revelation would then basically be that of darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You cannot, then it goes on, it says, you cannot serve God and money. Now, I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about what these Jews chased after in order for them to have money and then the voice money had, which was actually the voice of confirmation that you are the blessed of God. Sadly, today, we find the very same thing in churches. You know, people think that they are the blessed because they've got a, uh, God has provided for a building or uh, God has provided a car or something like that. Then they feel, well... Uh, since this is the truth and this is how God has provided, that means we are. You know what happens? The, the light in you, in that area of your life, is still darkness. You're still serving God and money because that which declares your holiness and your righteousness is the braiding where God braided uh, humanity and mankind into the Godhead in Jesus Christ. One thing that came to my mind while I was talking about uh, this braiding is that we should not have the mindset that we are involved in braiding that hair. We, we are like you would take Father, Son and Holy Spirit and you would take a, a piece of cloth or a lint and I think you call it a lint. What do, what do you call it in English? It's a lint? I don't know. But, and, and braid that in with the hair. 
if you would take a piece of cloth or a, a, a beautiful red piece of red rope or blue rope and you want to braid that in, that rope can never by its own power braid itself into that hair. It has to be by the power of someone else. And what God is showing here is that by His power He has braided us into the Trinity in Jesus Christ. And as we see that, as we see how God came, like in the case of Zacchaeus, and visited man, He came and He braided humanity into Zacchaeus' life by Him visiting. And as He braided Himself into Zacchaeus' life, that thing where Zacchaeus said, well, the Jesus, the Lord, He called Him, or we can even say the Messiah, the, he didn't say Messiah, but he said Lord, and to me it speaks of he honored his, who he really was. He said to him, Lord, and the moment he said Lord to him, I believe it's from a certain revelation and a certain belief in his heart. The same reason why his disciples would say Lord to him. And the way he said Lord, Jesus said to him, salvation has come to you because you've been set free. What did he see? He was in the sycamore tree, sycamore tree. And then Jesus said to him, today I must be at your house. And he then beheld the eyes of Jesus, heard the words of Jesus, just like Noah did, and he found grace in the eyes of God. He found the um, camp, putting up camp God, the tent pitching God. That's what he found in the eyes of Jesus. And he said, come and pitch your tent in my house and when he saw that braiding there what did Jesus do God loved Zacchaeus with his very presence and with him saying to Zacchaeus I see beauty in you and I've come to deliver I've come to seek and to save you that are lost you were lost in that tree you were lost in your love for money you were lost and I've come to dwell with you can you see how salvation takes place by God's doing and not our doing that is what it's all about. It is not about our doing, but God's doing. And we're going to look at the last verse. I don't think today's message is going to be a long message, but I'm sure it can touch your heart so powerfully. Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 10. I want to just tell you guys, God loves us so much. He cares for us so much. Amen. Let's read Ephesians 2 verse 10. It says, um, I'm going to read from verse 5. This will just be so good with Zacchaeus as well. It says, Even when we were dead in sins, He quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Now listen to this verse. For by grace are you saved, by the divine influence God has upon our hearts, by him coming to tabernacle and live with us, we are saved. How? Through faith. It is not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which He has beforehand 
ordained that we should walk in them. Now, uh, in my, I mean, in my paraphrase of Ephesians, as well as in in my um, the course that I that I've written uh, about this, which will still be available on the web, we can find that this passage means so much more. There's so much richness in this, you know. So when we see this passage, we have to come to a place where we say, what is this grace? What is this whole thing about not works? What is this thing about uh, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works? There's something more in here. Now, this is what I see. God comes and He says to the Ephesians through the Apostle Paul, and Paul, the, the, the Ephesians heard the gospel, they heard the good news, and then they believed the good news, and as they believed this, they found that they were just set free from so many things they were bound unto. They found a brand new life. And then this testimony came to the Apostle Paul, and Paul heard about what happened in their lives after they've heard the truth of the gospel, and then he started to pray for them. And he said, man, they've had a good service, they believed uh, upon Jesus and the Spirit is bringing forth fruit in these Gentiles or formerly called Gentiles and let me pray for them and let me get involved in their lives so that they can actually understand what this whole thing is all about. And Paul, if you read Ephesians, puts a great emphasis on understanding and believing. It is as if the Apostle Paul says, everything that is true flows through a channel into manifestation or into revelation. It's revealed or manifested in our lives as we believe and understand this. As if the Apostle Paul comes in Ephesians and he wants people to understand clearer and clearer and better so they can be more established in this good news, expecting Jesus to manifest the fullness of who he is by the Holy Spirit in their lives and not their doing. Now, when we see that it's not by works but by grace, there's a very important word there in verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. So he's saying that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot bring ourselves to a place of salvation, or another word we can say about this is or a, a place of exodus, a place of being set free. It, it is impossible for us, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship there is a very uh, wonderful word. And some of you might know this, but this is what it means. It means, it's, it's the Greek word poema, where we get the word poem from. So what he's saying here, I mean Paul could have used many words. And the word that he uses, the word poema, talking about somebody that creates a poem. Somebody that makes or writes a poem. And through that poem reveals his glory and what is actually in his heart. So what he's saying here is, he's saying to the people, listen, you cannot be saved by your own works. You are saved by grace. What is grace? Grace is the divine influence upon the hearts of man. By what? By God braiding man or braiding God into humanity and then co-equally braiding man into divinity. That is what is taking place. That's grace. So when we look at the grace of God where He gives life and immortality, 
unto man by braiding us into God and God into us, bringing a glorified physicality into the Trinity. When we behold that braiding, what happens? In that braiding, we are made new. That is grace. By that grace we are saved. How? As we are persuaded and as we behold and as our eye is single, believing upon that truth and beholding that truth. We found our lives exploding with the glory of God. And what he's saying here in verse 10 is that we are his workmanship. We are his love poem or um, like one of the theologians said, we are he, just his poem that he is writing. So what, he, what he's writing is and what he's saying is, and, and this is, you know, I, I got an F for English. I've said this many times when I was in my final year in school. English was a very difficult subject for me. Uh, but one thing I know about poems is that they rhyme. I mean, I think if I've just learned that, glory to God. Now, a poem rhymes. And the way I see this, and this is just from my heart, is when God comes and says, we are His workmanship created in the Messiah, what He's saying is, is Christ, and you guys know what Christ means, Christ means the King or the, uh, the ruler or the Messiah, the one who dominates and ends sin and death and all of that. The Bible says there, we in Christ, in the resurrection, in that braiding of humanity into eternal life, in, in that, what happens is he brought forth a new being. And that bringing forth is the word poema. He's, we are his workmanship. In other words, what he's saying is he's writing a poem wherein your life will rhyme with the life of God. And all of that comes forth by the power of the poet. Not your power, but the power of the poet. That is where everything lies in. It is in the power of him writing his poem. And then when all of the living creatures and all of heaven, including us, when we behold his poem, we find the glory of God revealed. We find the beauty. We find praises being sung to him. Why? Because we behold his poem. And this was... His plan from the beginning, church. It's not a new plan. It was from the beginning. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and then the earth was without form, and He came and He, he started, he, he planted a garden and put a man there, and then He started to write His poem in man. And as He started to write His poem in harmonizing what is in heaven with what is in earth by the power of the poet, by His way of writing, by His, his way of doing, what happens is he shapes the life of Adam. And when Adam first didn't want to hear and, and, and tried his own thing, what did he do? He didn't allow man to write in the poem. He said, this is my poem. It's not yours. It's mine. And I will bring this harmony. And what did he do? He incarnated himself into a man called the last Adam. And in that last Adam, what did he do in him? He came and harmonized that man with what was true in heaven, which is eternal life. And here we find that what happened in earth, in the resurrected Jesus, now rhymes and flows with what is in heaven. And we are beholding a phrase in the poem of God. 
in the resurrection of Jesus. And we find how he goes to a next phrase and how, he, how he's explaining this further because we find God in heaven and then we find a, a man in earth, but this man is glorified into heaven. And then we go into the next one, which is us included in that resurrection of Jesus. And as we see ourselves included, into that resurrection of Jesus, we're starting to see how this poem is being set forth. And we'll find the next phrase being written, wherein all of this which it spoke about and the whole thing about Jesus and us believing upon it and starting to see the first fruit, we will then one day also see the full glorification and the restoration of all things wherein we experience the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit as well as immortality in our bodies. Glory to God. So I want to say to you, and this is what I'm ending it off with, it says here, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are His poem brought forth in Jesus Christ unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. The harmony of this poem the, the, the way it rhymes is how he brings forth the very good works in us, where we are a sharer in the very kindness, a sharer in the very generosity, a sharer in the very life of God manifesting in our lives. And this is how we see this rhyme. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the love you have one for another. That is what it's all about. Glory to God. You know, this morning when I preached in Berdastorp, it was such, it's like a dream come true for me to a certain extent because I, I've been in that area years ago and things just didn't work out. There was just church stuff and it just didn't work out. And I remember when I left that town, um, I was heartbroken because I wanted to see this good news bring forth a church there, um, not to have my own church, that was not what it's all about, it's, or bring forth, this, this is, the, this is the, the, the right word, bring forth a people group there, a group of people wherein this glory is manifesting, where they are co-sharers in the life of God as they start to see how high, how wide, how deep and how long the love of God is. And many years later I got um, invited by somebody and he says he's just got a little home group there with, with people and if I wouldn't come and speak there. And I said to him, no, I will not come and speak there once unless you um, allow only me to come and let me come once a month and let me bring you this grace message, I will not come because that's what I want to see. And you know, this man allowed it, and this is what takes place. His life is being shaped by it. His wife's life is being shaped by it. I mean, my life is being shaped more and more by this good news. And we are seeing, and it was nice to see a good crowd of people come together this morning and the absolute joy and tears of joy in their lives as they see themselves being braided and how God is writing His love poem in Malmesbury and how God's writing his love poem in Berdastor and he's writing it everywhere and bringing harmony between heaven and earth and that is how it comes forth. Now I want to say this and I believe this with all my heart, the reason why poems are beautiful to us, the reason why the art's beautiful to us, why we love a painting and why we love 
uh, beautiful music and an orchestra where things are har harmony in harmony and harmonized. I believe it's all born from God, who is a creative artist, and wherein He paints the story of love with us. We are the paint He paints with. We have been made. We, we've been put into this whole picture. And I want to say to you that God loves you from the depth of His being, and man, He cares for you with everything that is inside Him, and. He is not going to allow man to try and write their own little phrase by their own works, for he is the poet, and you, we are his workmanship unto good works, which he doesn't command us to bear, but which he writes into our lives through the power of the resurrection. Amen. So I end off by summarizing it this way. Look at how God braided himself into humanity in the story of um, Zacchaeus. Look at, have a single eye. See how if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. And see how you are the poem, how he writes and how he rhymes heaven and earth in this poem and so bring forth good works in you by the power of the poet. Glory to God. His power was revealed in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that power is yours. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you so much that you have watched this message. And I would like to, I would like to ask you to just open your heart more and more to this goodness and this kindness and this mercy of God. If you've listened to this message and it's touched you, don't just go and run off just in the joy of hearing a nice message, but go to your room. Go and right there where you are, in front of your computer, with your family, just pray and just have a time of just pouring out your heart before God and saying, Lord, you show me personally by your doing how I can see myself braided into that strand of God. How I've been, uh, how, how you write and rhyme who, the man Jesus with me, a human being, and bring forth this rhyme and this beautiful poem and just show forth the very life of God. Glory to God. Do that. Pray that. That is for us. It, we can be partakers of this. Amen and amen. I want to thank you so much that you've watched and know that God loves you and he blesses you with his life. Amen.